It's time! All right, guys, welcome back to Coach's Corner, Episode 3. I am your host, Joe McDonough. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Joe underscore McDonough6. I am joined today by a very special guest, Mark Montoya from Factory X, as they call him, El Jefe. Uh, Mark, is that is that the name around the gym? <laughs> yeah, it depends on who you're asking, right? <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, that's what they call me. And, uh, it's a pleasure being on here. Thank, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Um, if you've missed episodes one or two, we've had Tyson Chartier and Dean Thomas. You can go back and watch them, but catch this episode with Mark Montoya. So, Mark, we're going to throw uh, 10 minutes on the clock. Those of you who have not seen the show, we put five rounds together. Four, the first four rounds are 10 minutes each, the last round being more of a hobby-related round for five minutes. So we're going to jump right into round one here. Let's throw 10 minutes on the clock. So, Mark, obviously a uh, tough result for Brandon Royval, one of one of Factory X's finest, against Brandon Moreno in essentially a uh, number one contender fight, um, you know, which I am still amazed was on the prelims, but that's a story for another day. Um, but, you know, we all saw the shoulder, and, and you know, um, we all saw you pop it in after. So my first question for you was the look in the camera. I mean, that, that looked like a scene out of The Departed. That looked like The Godfather. I mean, you know, what was that look for the camera? Um, I don't know. I actually don't really remember doing that. Uh, what I do remember, though, is that, uh, you know, he's sitting there in crazy amount of pain mm -hmm. and no one's doing anything, you know. And most people don't know this, but when you're at the um, cage door for, in the, for the UFC, the, they always have someone attending the door. And yeah. They don't let you in there until the doctor clears for you to come in. Um, you know, just so that they keep some of the chaos out of the cage, so yeah. they can assess the situation on any type of, uh, you know, injury or yeah. KO or yeah. TKO or anything like that. So anyway, the point is that sitting at the door, and I'm like, bro, um, what is going on in there? You know, and, and I can see Brandon, he's in pain, he's, you know, he's, in, he's, he's and I, I know what it is, it's his shoulders out. You yeah. know? And so, um, I've, you know, as a coach, I've had to put many shoulders back in place uh, from from athletes training and and that type of thing so i knew exactly what it was obviously i was pissed off because uh i, I feel like that was a fight we were going to win i still feel that way yeah. um and so the result was not i was not happy about and i was mostly just concerned about my athlete and so uh, i was like yo i'm going in there and yeah. I, I know i popped the shoulders so i just kind of pushed people aside and said yo look, and the doctors stand there looking at him and i was like dude uh what you know so i just grabbed brandon's arm and, and put it back in place uh and uh, <laughs> look i don't remember doing that to the camera <laughs> um, i i don't i get on social media but i, I pretty much post and go um, yeah i don't really look at comments but a lot of people tell me we show my athletes and my, my wife and you know those type of things they said they said man people are that's all they're talking about is the, is the death show that you gave your camera so um i would say it was an it was an accumulation of a lot of things yeah. one i was uh, obviously not happy that we lost the fight that i feel like we were going to win uh especially for the implications that it had to uh, go on and fight for a title which yeah. I, I know brandon is super capable of winning mm -hmm. and then two uh, no one was doing anything. So, you know, those two factors right there, it kind of pissed me off. So yeah. uh, I guess that's, that's, that would be my best explanation for 
explanation of why that happened. Yeah, well, you may be getting into an acting career, um, you know, in some crime movie later on. Um, so, um, so you know, two questions. One, just based off of that answer, is just, um, I mean, what was the doctor doing? You know, do you think the doctor didn't know it was a, you know, a pop shoulder? I mean, were they had they even talked to Brandon? You know, what was what what had happened there? And two, is this something that has happened before? You know, that that's what the commentary team, John Anik John Anik and Joe Rogan were talking about. Is you you immediately knew what it was, and, and you said, you know, it's because you've seen it in other athletes through the years. Is this something that Brandon's had to face, you know, through camp or through his career? Yeah, so it's um, it, number one, I don't know what the doctor was doing, so <laughs> I, I don't know if he was trying to uh, assess the situation and then respond. So I don't know. I don't want to discredit the doctor because they, they they usually have amazing doctors, yeah. but. I, I just know that he was in pain. And so I was like, and I knew what it was. So it wasn't, it wasn't unknown to me. So that's why I was like, okay, this is something that I know how to fix instantly and relieve some of that pain pressure, you know? And so, um, as far as, you know, it, it's happened to other athletes before, for sure. Brandon's other shoulder years and years ago, before he was ever in UFC, would pop out and he's actually had surgery on his other shoulder. And so, you know, we were, I've been, I've done that to him before on, uh, and so that's something that just from experience as a coach and then experience as, um, with him and his other shoulder, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've done that before. So, uh, the, the commentary team saying, wow, this might be, this might be something that they, they're used to doing. Um, Yes and no, and, I, and that would be the answer to that. Yeah, and, and, and you know, um, another thing that the commentary team had said, specifically Joe Rogan, and I was wondering it myself as I'm watching, you know, Brandon, you know, in such pain, is they had actually said that if if the round had ended, you know, it was obviously so close to the round ending, if the round had ended um, and you went, he went to the corner and you were able to pop his shoulder back in, that he actually could go back in and fight for round two and three. Um, how true is that? Because part of me when I'm watching it is like he looks like he's in pain, but also I, I realize that you know when a fighter's in a fight, he has a lot of adrenaline, and right now he's you know the fight's over. So so what's your take on that? Well, that's a that's a I guess number one we won't know the answer to that because we didn't even get that opportunity. We yeah. had a second or two left on the clock. So there's a lot of factors that would go to go into that. Uh, you know whether. Uh, let's just say I popped it back in and then when I'm assessing the situation, it's just, you know, he's sitting there in, in, in straight agony yeah. and it's not possible. Then of course it would go. I don't know. It's hard to say really. There's a lot of factors to that would have to be looked at and, mm-hmm. and whether or not he could No, they're, they're not wrong. I could pop that. Obviously I did it quickly. I could do it in the corner and he could potentially come back out and, and fight it on the round. It's just, um, there would have to be, there would have to be a ton of communication in the short time we get in there to decide whether or not that, that that's the right thing for Brandon. Yeah. So, um, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess, I guess the clock never allowed us to even make that decision. Yeah. And, and in such, you know, only a minute, um, sitting on that stool, you know, it's such little time to assess, all that and, and communicate saying, are you ready to go? Um, another fighter that you've had that was just, you know, a very successful on, um, in a UFC card is, is Mr. Anthony Smith. You know, I mean, he, he just, his nickname Lionheart is just, I mean, there's no one that 
amplifies their nickname more. Um, I mean, speak on Anthony Smith. How important was that win for him? And to go and, you know, go in not being the main event and then turn it into a five-round fight, obviously didn't need all five rounds, but to have the potential to go five rounds when he was training for a three-rounder. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the hardest things to do in fighting is exactly what Anthony Smith did. Uh, you know, I've said this in many reviews um, since his fight. You know, he well, he had to he had to stare adversity in the eye. I mean, you know, in 2018, he was the talk of the town. Yep. We went and fought for a title. We, we lost to uh, who I would say is the best uh, mixed martial artist we've ever seen in the octagon yep. in John Jones. Um one of the things we've talked about and, and as a team, not just Anthony, but obviously Anthony included, is we can't be afraid to run into storms, you know, and uh, we actually have an acronym that we use here, and, and it's uh, FEAR IS, forging elite athletes running into storms. And I know people say, oh, that's cliche and blah, 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 but it's not. When you, when you, look, at, when you look at what he just did, he did exactly what he's supposed to do. He ran into a storm that... Uh, a lot of people were a lot of people were counting Anthony out yep. and asking some questions and saying, "Hey, is he washed up, or uh, does he not have the desire to fight him, or whatever nonsense they were saying?" Um, and one of the decisions we made as a as a collective group, you know, as coaching staff and, and with Anthony, is is let's pick growth over company in this situation mm-hmm. um, because. <clears throat> Even though the last two fights didn't go our way, I still know what kind of athlete he is, and I also know what his goals and desires and, and the talent and skill level that he has. Uh, fighting's so fickle. It's it, it's you know you're 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 the best in the world one day, and then they're telling you you should quit the next day. And so um, the the other thing is, who are we listening to? Because if we're listening to all the nonsense online or some of the media or whomever those those people to be honest with you don't really matter when it comes they're not they're not in that room every day doing so they can have an opinion i'm not saying they can, can't have an opinion i'm just saying do those do those opinions matter and so you know that's that's it to say it's hard to do and and i man he deserves so much credit for doing what he just did because like I said, I think that's that's one of the hardest things to do in fighting is to be down, uh, have your back against the wall, be a couple fights that you've lost that um, technically we thought we should we should win, mm-hmm. uh, be back in title implication, and and then stare yourself in the mirror and say, nah, nah, bitch, I'm running through the storm and I'm not afraid to do it still, and and then to go out there and um, be successful like he was in the cage on Saturday, you know that's. Uh, like I would say, that's a real one right there. That's someone that, that you know, he stared it down and he conquered. He conquered it. And, and you know, he dared greatly. And that's, man, that's hard to do. And, and <laughs> to say I'm proud of him would be a gross understatement yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and you know, as, as you should be, you know, because um, what a great fighter he is. That brings us to the end of round one. Let's take it, catch it on the other side for round two. Here we are for round number two. And so I want to continue with, with Anthony Smith because you said some interesting things there. And obviously such a fighter that that you should be proud of. Um, you know, to, to take him kind of – it seems like Anthony Smith has been counted out throughout his career numerous times, you know. Um, and, and then to go and fight John Jones and, and you know, lose to John Jones and then have, have a skid, um, to, to get that win, 
just to watch this guy who who's just such such a mixed martial artist, just such just such a fighter. Um, to watch him go up and down of his career and keep pushing and, and you know get to this point and get to that title fight and all that stuff. What what does that mean from a coaching standpoint? Well, I think first back up because uh, when he lost to John Jones, a lot of people forget this. We we went to Stockholm, Sweden, in the backyard of Alex Gustafsson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the best two of fivers that we've ever seen be, uh, you know, compete in the octagon. And not only did Anthony beat him after John Jones, but he actually finished, finished him, yeah. in his hometown uh, with a with a ravenous crowd that was super, super pumped to see their hometown hero compete again. And so um, when Anthony did that, you know, it was like, okay, um, bro, you're, you're, you're right there. And then, of course, you know, Timing is everything when it comes to fighting. The the Glover fight, um, I give all the credit to Glover. And I don't think I don't think people are giving enough credit to Glover. To be honest with you, look at what he just did. I, I agree. With Anthony and Tiago Santos, those two guys, both Anthony and Tiago, are are going to continue to rock the two hundred five division for years. Mm -hmm. And and uh, you know those guys are going to compete for titles here in the near future. So you know what. Glover going out, not only beating both Anthony and Tiago, he finished both of them. And so, you know, um, we we obviously caught uh, Glover at the wrong time, <laughs> and and the timing of of just uh, what was going on in the world with with COVID yeah. and all this nonsense, and there was a lot of stuff going on. Man, I'm not giving any excuses that we lost, and and credit to Glover and his team, mm -hmm. they did a phenomenal job and beat us. Um, uh, Rakic is, is one of the, uh, I mean, that dude is a specimen, number one. Number yeah, two, yeah. he's an up-and-coming, uh, really, really good 205. He's going to be a problem for the future of 205, you know. And, 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 he is. Yeah. He's going to be a major problem. And, uh, you know, we, the other thing is, look at this. So, in, in the Rakic fight, Rakic didn't come in and take Anthony down. We, we actually, um, Anthony actually ended up on his back twice because yeah. of the, uh, a mishap in the sense of him trying to take rackets down and uh, you know we had to go and fix that and I think I think to Anthony's credit if you look at it and go okay man um, you know we made a couple mistakes in that fight that obviously cost us and, and to Rackage's credit he, he stood on top of Anthony and held him down for three rounds it's not easy to do Anthony's an amazing amazing guy off his back you know and um and he did a great job. He neutralized us. So we had to go back and go, okay, what are we going to do here? And if you watch in the Saturday's fight, he, he just took a, a, a All-American. I think I think Devin Clark is a, he might be a Juco All-American. Um, he just took an All-American down with ease and then, uh, you know, played right into our game. And so uh, we learned from that fight, and we, from the two fights there. And we also learned... What we won from that fight is obviously a victory and a, and a win of the record, but we also learned that that we the, the adjustments we made from the losses we made that we grew from, and that's what it's all about. Absolutely, and and you know a huge win. I want to get into Factory X. I mean, you know, take me through Factory X. You know, what makes your team special? Well, I think the first thing is culture. Uh, you know, say this in every interview I have. Uh, what sets us apart and makes us special is the culture. Mm -hmm. You know, I started I started this gym over a decade ago, and 
you know, I've been doing this for 22 years as a fighter and a coach. And so, uh, over a decade ago, I, I became a full-time coach and I wanted a culture. I wanted a culture that, that was a family type coach. I wanted a real team. I didn't want a bunch of individuals underneath a, a roof and, and say we're a team. I actually wanted a real team. I yeah. wanted guys to like each other. I wanted great athletes. I wanted them to, um, face adversity and run into it instead of run away from it. I wanted, I wanted uh, to force the elite athletes that I was talking about. And, I, and um, you know, culture is something that you can talk about, but it's really hard to explain unless you feel it. Yeah. And so um, culture is one of the things that sets us apart big time. The other thing that uh, we have is we have, we have an amazing coaching staff. You know, I have an amazing coaching staff that I've never had a better coaching staff than I have today. And uh, on top of that, we have an amazing uh, set of, of athletes that we bring in. And, uh, you know, lastly, we have a great support system, whether it's our support system in the gym or our support system outside of the gym with our, with our wives and, and husbands and, and family members and those things. Those people are, to be honest, are the real superstars of the yeah. whole story when it comes to uh, us being successful. You know, we, uh, we get our name or a fighter gets their face on the TV, but uh, that support staff is the real superstar in this whole conversation. Yeah, the, the secret MVPs. Um, you know, a lot of people in this sport always say, you know, it's an individual sport. You know, you go in the cage for that 15, 25 minutes, you're alone. And, and maybe for that 15 or 25 minutes, in a way you are. But I think people don't talk enough about that six to eight week, that two month training camp where you have coaches, sparring partners, all these people. I mean, it really is a team effort every day. Yeah, I think, I think, I think whoever's saying that, um, potentially they come from a different culture because I know the culture that I come from and the culture that we built here is you're not getting to that cage successfully without having your team around you. There, mm -hmm. It's just, it's, especially at the highest level. I mean, you've got to have high level competition daily so that when you get in the cage, you're used to that, number one. And number two, the fighting should feel easier than training. And, you know, that's one of the things that sets us apart big time is that we have that just iron around here that is sharpening each other on a daily basis. And, and guys don't come in here and win every day, whether they've been here for a week or they've been here for five years. They just – they don't win every day. They, mm -hmm. they, they have to dare to fail. They have to continue to grow. And, um, you know, our culture says uh, otherwise. Our culture says that we have to have uh, a team around us in order to get into the cage. Yes, you're in there by yourself uh, at, when you're competing and fighting, but you only got there. One of the big reasons you guys shouldn't say only, but the, one of the big reasons you got there is because you have a team around you that, that allowed you to sharpen your skills to go and be that. And I'll tell you, yep. my guys say all the time, coach, that fight was way easier than training. I would way <laughs> rather fight than go to Friday morning plus morning <laughs> practice. And I, and I love, I love when, when fighters do say that they said the hard part's over, you know, it's just the fun, you know, fun fight nights here now. Um, you know, so, so in Denver, Colorado, there's another, another big gym. And is there any healthy competition between you and team elevation, you know, not, not drama wise or, or beef wise, but is there a healthy competition when you see one of their fighters, you know, doing well, do you, you know, does it, does it motivate you guys? 
Oh, I'm uh, I'm I'm happy for them. I mean, it's uh, it's tough to be successful in a sport. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we compete with them on the on the local regional level a lot. Uh, yeah, know, absolutely. Our fighters fight each other coming up a lot, and uh, that's one of the reasons why this Colorado scene is is so good. I think one of the reasons why our fighters uh, that come out of here do go on and you know the guys that make it and go on to the higher level that they actually go on and, and make waves in the USB because mm-hmm. Colorado's scene and this regional scene around here is is thick with talent and and you know I um, I'm happy for those guys it, it, like I said it's not it, it always breeds competition competition is good I mean competition makes us better competition yep. makes them better and they want to uh, they want to beat us on on the local regional scene, and we want to do the same. I have a respect for those guys because they're they're good at what they do, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a healthy we have a healthy uh, respectful relationship. Of course, we want to beat each other because that's the job that we've we've entered into. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, it motivates us. I'm sure it motivates them too when when their guys are doing well or our guys are doing well, and so. Um, yeah, nothing but respect for those guys. They're they're doing a phenomenal job. Absolutely, and and it's a healthy respect that works out for both teams as both fighters continue to move up that path. That essentially brings us to the end of round number two. Here we are at the beginning of round number three. So I want to take this time, this round, these next ten minutes or so to um completely talk about the prospects of factory X. I mean, we know about the Anthony Smiths, the Brandon Roy Vals, you know, Yusuf Salal's, you know, some of the, some of the great fighters at the UFC level, but who can we see as the next fighter? Who, who has that it factor that you think could bring them to that next level? Yeah. I mean, we've been really blessed to have a lot of UFC fighters. And one of the things that I think the world has seen this year is that we have a lot of young prospects coming up in the UFC that have done a phenomenal job, like like the people you talked about, like mm-hmm. um, Alex Hernandez and uh, Brandon Royval and Yusuf Sobal and you know Colin Anglin and Devontae Smith and you know uh, Jonathan Martinez. You know uh, that that kid. How, how special is that kid? You know, um, Luigi Vandermini. I mean, all those all those guys are are setting and paving the the path for. Um, these up-and-comers now the up-and-comers when you talk about them these guys they're these, no one knows their name yet mm-hmm. and uh and and that's okay because here soon you guys know their name i've yeah. got guys like cody brundage um who is on the cusp of being in the ufc soon you got josh friend who's um on the cusp of being in the ufc soon you you know have um you have you have these i have some young um up-and-coming debut pro guys that uh, give our UFC guys a uh, fit on a daily basis, <laughs> like like uh, Markel Medeiros and Jacoby Jones. Uh, you know those those guys that are that are coming up and just really getting after it. Austin Jones is is another guy that's that's uh, an amazing talent, and uh, Adam Adam Martinez. I call him Mini Hunt because he's a 135 pounder, but he colors his hair blonde, and he and he. He reminds me of um, Mark Hunt style, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, those guys uh, like Clay Matza, guys that uh, uh, are coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these guys. Uh, Brian Mitchell is another one who who has some amazing talent. And so, uh, I have George Martinez is another kid that's a really good 125 pounder. You know, mm-hmm. those guys. 
those guys, these guys that I'm talking about, your 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 fan base is probably like, who the hell is that? You know, and uh, and I have people like Sid Vice who has been around and, and just gotten after it for years, mm-hmm. and uh, he could be another contender at 25 pounds. And so when I'm going through all this list, you know, uh, I'm doing this all off memory now, so I might have missed a couple of these guys, and and if I did, they'll remind me. <laughs> but uh, and it, the, the thing about it is the people that I'm talking about, we're talking about numerous weight classes, yeah. you know, um, numerous weight classes to where, you know, you're going from 125 pounds all the way up to uh, heavyweight. And so that's the that's the cool part about this room is that, you know, uh, I have guys like Nerman who you're like, who is that? And uh, you wait, that kid, that yeah. kid is an amazing athletic uh, heavyweight and he's gonna he's gonna go out and do some crazy big things and so you know uh, with all that said you you have you have that and the mixture of that throughout all those weight classes that's one of the reasons why these UFC fighters that you guys see that we have competing uh, on the world stage are, are as good as they are is because of that support staff and all these up come up and coming goals mm-hmm. that are like hey man I want to be where you're at even better and and you know the, the, the fan base that listen to the show, one great thing about it is they love their prospects. So I'm sure these guys will be looking up topology records as soon as they uh, listen in, um, as they should. And I love the nickname Mini Hunt. I hope that becomes a you know a real nickname. We hear Bruce Bruce Buffer saying one day. Um, so in in the gym, how important is it for these guys to have you know a guy like Anthony Smith? You know, a guy that's been through like you said, a title title contender, UFC top, you know top top five light heavyweight in the world. Um, to have a guy like that at their disposal and all the other UFC people in, in the gym. Well, you know, you got you got vets that, that we've talked about Anthony for sure, but you got vets like James Krause, you got vets like um, Zach Cummings, you know, you got vets like that that are so valuable. I mean, those mm-hmm. guys um, are the young guys can really tap into and just and pick their brain and talk about um, everything that they're feeling and is this what you felt when you were coming up mm-hmm. and, and and what it does is it normalizes what the young guys are feeling because the the, the vets still get those feelings it's just they've they've learned how to make friends with those feelings that's something I tell the fighters all the time yeah especially especially the day of the fight or the the night of the fight or you know an hour before the fight mm-hmm. i always tell them listen all those feelings you're feeling right now you got to make friends with they're not going away so uh the feelings you have if you try to fight them it takes a lot of energy to do that and so uh we've got to make friends with these feelings and the vets have, the vets have just become better at making friends they're they're still nervous they're still anxious they still have doubt they still have excitement and all these things um it's just that they've learned how to uh, make friends and compartmentalize all of this and and the young guys get to grow and learn from that and of course uh you know technically that on the map those guys are are really good at what they do and mm-hmm. so so they're they're like additional coaches uh to these guys because yeah. they've they've been around so long and and that's what continues to reload and rebuild the the system of the program that we have and and why we continually pump out prospects and and then these young kids that get to go from prospect to sign the oc and then go out and, and compete like they've done i mean yusuf and, and yusuf zawal and brandon royville 
a year ago. Yeah. See, I mm-hmm. mean, oh, they're both three and one in the UFC, and uh, had phenomenal years. So you know that's the that's the type of crop that's being produced, and and like I said, those guys that you have no idea what their names are that I just mentioned, those you're gonna see those guys coming too, and you and you'll be just as impressed, if not more, with them. Mm-hmm. It sounds like uh, Factory X will have a continue to make Dana White's Contender Series their second home. Um, you know, as as when you when you have prospects like this and, and have a gym where you're growing that next crop. What is it? What is what is the singular most important trait that you look for in a fighter that makes you say this guy could be the next Anthony Smith, the next James Krause? Um, you know, is it is it the physicality, you know, and, and that stuff, or is is mentality the most important factor? Well, I don't think there's one factor that that they that we look for only, mm-hmm. but I but I can tell you that obviously they all have to be good athletes. Um, they have to have grit. That's one thing that is they're, they're, they're not tough and they don't have grit. They're not willing to um, put their ego aside and learn and grow. I'm uninterested. And mm-hmm. so um, one of the things we look for mostly is are they coachable? And and you, you can have an amazing athlete. But if they're unwilling to be coached, uh, it's going to we're going to this isn't the program for them. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, that's my point is uh, if they're not coachable and they're not willing to take chances to grow and if they're, if they're going to be kind of one-sided and, and so strong headed that they, that they're unwilling to learn because of ego, then I'm uninterested. Mm-hmm. And so I say this all the time. I am not the coach for everybody. One mm-hmm. of the things I've, I've found over the years is that, and, and figured out is I am not the coach for everybody. And as much as I want to be, because that's just in my nature to want to coach and be, be that for everybody. I'm just not, I'm not the coach for everybody. Yeah. So are we of the same cloth? Um, and you know, are you able to, are you able to grow inside of the system? Because it doesn't mean that they can't be successful in fighting or life. It just means that this isn't the system that they uh, should grow up in. They should go somewhere else that has a different system, a different culture, and they could be successful there. It's just uh, sometimes we're not the fit for everybody. And, and when we look at it, we look at all those factors. Absolutely. And, you know, um, another thing that, that, you know, not only are you a head coach, but you're also a gym owner. Um, you know, and, and with all these prospects, with, with all this stuff, COVID is obviously, and we're, we're, the end of the round is coming up. So, you know, um, it, but COVID is factored into everything. And essentially these prospects have had to put their career on hold. I mean, you know, what's something that you keep them motivated with as the regional scene has essentially been shut down for the most part. Yeah, that's been a tough one. I, you know, uh, the UFC has obviously said, Hey, we're, we're going business as usual, mm-hmm. figure it out, you know? And so, um, the regional local scene has been a tough one. It's been, it, it's, uh, I feel for those, those young men and women because they're, I know why they're on the mat. They're there to fight. I mm-hmm. get it. Right. And so when, when they're on the mat and they, uh, and they're, they're continuing to train, when you just ask me the question, hey, what do, what do you look for? One of the things I look for is, and, and we preach a lot, is you 
if you're coming here to just get fights and results only, it's not going to work. Yeah. And so, um, if, if it's just about your next fight and that's it, then you're missing the whole point of mixed martial arts and, mm. and being a martial artist. Because to be a martial artist, it, a cent, that's a lifetime pursuit, mm. right? I mean, that's what a martial artist is. And yeah. so, um, with those young guys and, and gals, we've had to continue to preach that. Hey, if you continue to grow right now, imagine what you look like when some of these restrictions and all this nonsense subsides and we're able to just unleash you mm-hmm. you're gonna get you're gonna go on this crazy run like we know you will and you'll be so much better this is a, this is a time for growth yeah and so um we're either looking we're either looking at it half half empty and we, we cho- we've chosen to look at it half full and say hey never in your career will you ever have a time like this we have no choice the only the, the we can't control the COVID and, and the restrictions mm-hmm. and all this nonsense going on. What we can't control is you getting better. Yeah. So uh, never in their career again, probably, will they have an opportunity where fighting's not even an option, not because we don't want it to be, but because of restrictions. But uh, and, and all we can choose is growth right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, – I'll tell you what it's done is it's really made them fall in love with what they're doing. And if they're not in love with it, they're not here. Yeah. So either thing, either way, that's good because um, it, it's really made them pick a path. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of round number three. Catch you in round number four. Here we are at the start of round number four. So, Mark, something that I've, you know, I always wondered, and you know, I asked Dean Thomas this last uh, last episode, is the relationship between a coach and a manager. Um, you know, what is it like? And and you know, it, does it always have to be a great relationship? Is it hard sometimes? You know, obviously, if someone gets a call and says, "We got this offered," and maybe you as a coach, you say, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, that's not a good fight for us," and and the manager is pushing it. You know, how, how does that relationship work? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have a I have a really good relationship with Jason House. Actually, he he manages most of my guys. Mm-hmm. Actually, and one of the reasons why Jason manages my guys is is because we've chosen to have a good relationship. Now, if you think about any relationship in life, whether it's coach, manager, husband, wife, whatever, coach, athlete, it, it, if your communication sucks. You're not going to have a good relationship. Yeah. And so, one of the things that I've discovered in the past it, it, with with managers that uh, I don't still have a relationship with it with is communication would break down, or it would suck, or um, uh, egos would get involved, right? And mm-hmm. so, one of the one of the things that's it, 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 you now look just because you have communication and you have good communication and you have a you have a good working relationship doesn't mean you're always going to see eye to eye. Mm, I mean, 100%. anybody that's been in a relationship at all, wh- whether it's in marriage or boyfriend girlfriend or anything, knows that it's not always just oh this is roses and yeah, great. Hundred percent not. <laughs> right, and so yeah, you have to you have to have communication, and it's okay to disagree. That's the thing is it's okay. to disagree now when i the, one of the issues sometimes with coach athlete or excuse me coach manager is when when neither side stays in their lane mm-hmm. so 
Uh, my job is to coach an athlete and prepare them to go win a fight and go win fights. That's my job. And, and my coaching staff's job. That's our job. The manager's job is to find us fights, get get manage them properly, find financial success for them, help, yeah. help them grow that in, in sponsorship and contracts and all these things. Now, where it gets weird sometimes is when uh, – each side crosses over into the other person's lane. Yeah. So uh, I, I have no interest in being a manager. I never wanted to be one ever. Mm -hmm. I want to. I, I, that's not my calling. My calling is to be a coach. And so um, Jason understands where he sits. For example, uh, he, he stays in his lane. And when I say to him, Jay, I don't like that option for us. Mm -hmm. He might disagree with me. He might, we might discussion about it. But at the end of the day, when it comes to fight, that's my lane. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he may even actually have a good enough argument to where um, he makes me think about it, and I might even change my mind, or or vice versa, right? Hey, Jay, in order for us to take this fight, we need more money, yeah, right? Or whatever the case is, and, oh, well, I don't know, and then he goes and he has to, and, and we have a discussion, and he goes and, and finds an opportunity to further uh, impact the fighter financially, uh, then those discussions are those hard discussions are had on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, we still can we still can be uh, respectful to each other, still have a good relationship, good working relationship. Um, and it's okay to disagree, but but if in his lane he says, "No, nah, this is hard, fast, and this is what it's going to be." Uh, then I, then I, whether I agree or not, then I stay out of that because it's not my lane, and vice yeah. versa. So, uh, if if you could find a relationship like that, then you hold and keep that, and that's why that's why Jason and I have the synergy we have, and that's one of the reasons why he's one, he's he's the best manager in the business. Yeah, yeah, and and you know another thing to add to that is you know at the end of the day. You're you're the guy that's with you know your fighter essentially on a daily basis you know whereas a manager maybe you know once a week you know maybe a call or this and that but at the end of the day you're the one that's you know rolling with them grappling with them training with them um, and and all of that stuff you know you you talked to earlier about um, the Colorado regional scene tell the people that maybe you know like I'm a New Englander I know a little bit about it but not much so you know give me the background on, on the Colorado regional scene. Well, the regional scene has always been competitive since uh, since I was fighting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's um, I don't know. There's something. There's I, I don't know if it's I don't know. There's something in the water. Something right? in the water. I was so, gonna say. <laughs> yeah, there's. It's just uh, there's always there's always been a good good bunch of, of fighters out of here and mm -hmm. some of it has to, to do with i think that fighters are drawn from out of this state they're drawn here because of a you know um when you get a reputation like uh, my gym has or or someone like that then uh they come here because of that but mm -hmm. take that out so so one of the reasons i i think people come here is colorado is a beautiful place to live yeah i mean it's yeah. a at the end of the day, it's a vacation state, mm -hmm. and so um, it's a beautiful place to live. It's also at altitude, and uh, there's arguments of whether or not that helps or doesn't help. And I've, I'm born and raised here. Uh, I know for a fact that it helps. Yeah. I see my fighters, mm -hmm. uh, what they do here, and I watch what they produce at sea level, and and it's not uh, it's not comparable. Mm -hmm. And so it absolutely helps. And so. 
Um, I, I think those are some factors in it. And then I think you've got some really good uh, coaches that are here. You mentioned Elevation. You mentioned us. Uh, we're the two biggest gyms in the, in the state, right? But mm-hmm. uh, you have people like Trevor Whitman that are here, who's mm-hmm. an amazing coach as well. And so um, you've got some you've got some amazing coaches. I mean, I when I started, <laughs> excuse me, training in, in '98 late 97, 98, when I started, uh, the people I trained with were Wayne Ludwig, Brad Gum, mm-hmm. who's on the UFC. Dave Ruiz was the first black belt ever to be in Colorado, and he was a black belt under the Machado brothers. Yeah. Um, and uh, Oscar Martinez, who who had trained for many, many years under the ties. And so um, all of us were a bunch of, they, they had a head start on me training. So when I came in, I was, I was a new guy, but uh, all of us uh, have gone on to create successful gyms here in the state of Colorado. Yeah. And we had no idea when we were all training together that that's what it looked like or that's who we were or any of that. It's just there was a bunch of really tough kids in a room that loved fighting and then uh, became uh, amazing coaches. And and so I think that's part of it, too, is that you've got some really good minds yeah. in, the, in, the, in the game. And you also have some guys that came up in when when fighting. We didn't fight for money. I never got paid ever. Yeah. And so um, I fought because I loved it. And and I think when you have that type of passion, like all those guys I've met, Trevor and, and all the guys at Elevation and all the guys I just mentioned that I used to train with yeah. at, at Champions. Yeah. And when you have that kind of motivation, it's uh, uh, you, you're doing it because you love it. And when you love something, you're good at it, you eventually – uh, create what has been created here. Absolutely, and, and you know that sounds like a mixed martial artist uh, dream, and in, in that to be in that room and soak up all that information um, and talent. Uh, you know, you, you had mentioned earlier, and we'll close the fourth round with this. You had mentioned earlier, you know, Factory X is like a family. You know, with family comes chemistry, all that stuff. When 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 you're bringing on a new coach, and this is something I haven't asked uh, coaches before, when you bring on a new coach. What do you look for in 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 that coach? You know, and, and you know, because because if if they come in and they can ruin that chemistry, you know, they, they can be detrimental to, to the gym. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, the coaches uh, is a little bit like what we look into a fighter, but on it, but different too. So, for number one, do they fit our culture? Um, that's a big. That's the first question. Do they fit our culture? Obviously, they have to be amazing at what they do. Yeah. Right. One of the things that I ask my coaches is, "What what's your purpose for coaching? Like, what do you want to get out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you what do you want to do?" If the first thing they say is money, I'm out. Yeah, because coaching, coaching, you you absolutely could make money coaching for sure, but it comes in time. It's uh, it's patience and time are the two most powerful warriors there are, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, um. Are they are they willing to get on the mat and coach and teach because they love what they're doing and they love to help lead other leaders in, in the athletes that we have, or do they just want to, you know, say they're a coach and 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 go be on TV and, mm-hmm. and get paid and and do that thing? Because yeah. if it's the, if it's the latter, I'm uninterested. I have no I have no. Um, I have no want in bringing them on. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's it's 
that it's do they fit the culture are they doing this because they love this are they doing this because they want to lead young men and women and um are they willing to do this for a time period despite uh being on tv or getting getting paid major money at the beginning mm-hmm. absolutely and, and you know like like you said uh you know that chemistry and family and culture that you have at your gym obviously is working and and to ruin that would would not be great um that brings us to the end of round number four let's jump into round number five Here we are in round number five, guys, to finish it off. Uh, Mark, we, we, we've heard about the coaching. We've heard about everything. We, we love we love the MMA history that you have, um, you know, like you said, training with Dwayne Ludwig and all those guys. But let's hear about Mark Montoya outside of fighting. You know, I know, you know, some of your great hobbies, you like you like hunting, you like fishing. You know, you've talked about how beautiful Colorado is, the wilderness, all that stuff. You know, tell us a little bit about, of you know, Mark Montoya away from MMA. Well, you know, away from MMA, obviously, I enjoyed my family. My, you know, I said earlier that the superstars in this uh, story are, are our support staff. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. My wife, my wife, Jer, and my, my daughter, Brooklyn, and my son, Wyatt. Those, those three are the real superstars. So, you know, outside of fighting, I enjoy spending a lot of time with them. Um, I also, you know, hobby-wise... Uh, you had mentioned already that, you know, I'm a big fly fisherman and I, and I love to bow hunt. Those are two things that I've grown up doing in, here in, in Colorado. I'm a fourth generation Coloradan. My family um, homesteaded property. My dad's family homesteaded property in southern Colorado in 1850. And, uh, you know, my dad's 30% Comanche uh, Indian. And, um, wow. you know, I'm, I'm like 18%. Wow, that's, so that's awesome. We have, yeah, we have deep roots here, you know, and it's uh, it's it's kind of been ingrained in us to do that. My fam, my dad's family has always hunted, and and that's something that and and fished and done, you know, been in the wilderness, in the woods, and it's just something I grew up doing. I, I actually grew up in the. It's kind of interesting because I grew up in uh, in uh, South Ember, which is is the hood here, and. Uh, or one of them, I should say. And um, so it's funny when you when you <laughs> you think I grew up in the hood, but also uh, it, it, his his major hobbies are just being in the mountain. I, I attribute that to my father <laughs> yeah. because you know my dad in my life uh, a, a lot when I was younger. My mom and dad had a turbulent relationship, and he was in and out kind of as a youngster. But one thing we always did together was we always went. And, and hunted and, and fly fished and that's something that he's passed down to me and I continue to pass down to my kids and um, my brother he, you know he's done with his kids and my sister and yeah. her kids and you know all this stuff and so um, the, the hunting and fishing thing is a big deal to me it's where I find some peace it's where I find some serenity it's where uh, my phone doesn't work is awesome <laughs> you know and uh, and so for example, tomorrow I'm actually going pheasant hunting with my son and a really good uh, childhood friend of mine that I grew up with and uh, and my dad. And, and so, um, you know, we're going out, we're going pheasant hunting tomorrow. And, um, uh, you know, in March, I actually have a, I actually have a trip booked that got canceled because of COVID this year uh, to go to uh, South to hunt Cape Buffalo with my bow. And, um, 
And so those are lifelong dreams that 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 South Africa trip is something we want to do as a family mm-hmm. forever. I'm going there with my dad and brother and my brother-in-law. And so- that whether it's for a day or, or uh, you know multiple days and so um it's just something that helps me get reset and come back to the gym and then i'm able to be uh you know give these guys 100 percent again but everybody i need a little reset and that's where i go find it yeah and, and something tells me that you know a day like tomorrow where you're pheasant hunting with you know your son your father um you know a family friend and, and it is just as important and just as as great of a day as it is, you know, to go and corner a guy like Anthony Smith to a win in a made event. Yeah. I don't think you're far off. At all there. <laughs> I, uh, I get, I like to, you know, i after we get off this interview, I'm going to go pack my stuff and my son is pumped up. You know, he's gone hunting with me since he's, uh, he just turned 13. He's yeah. gone hunting with me since he was four. Wow. And, uh, and so he he loves it, and, and just to just to watch him come up doing it and and begin her spirit and begin her eyes, it it it's uh, it's really cool to see, and it's something that you know, like that old saying, you can go catch a fish or you can teach them to fish, and they'll and they'll have fish for a lifetime. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those things, and uh, and it's a pet tradition that I hope. Uh, doesn't stop uh, amongst my lineage. Absolutely. And, you know, Mark, that, that brings us to an end of round number five. I'm wishing you the absolute best tomorrow, uh, you know, with, with the hunting. And, and uh, you know, I, I appreciate the time. I thank you so much for joining us. You know, um, I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. Uh, keep doing great stuff. Let me know how I can help in the future. Uh, we'd love to help continue to help you grow. And uh, like I said, it's a pleasure being on and, and have an amazing, blessed night.